um, what we saw in the peer-to-peer lending was the people that were getting approved is ones that a traditional bank would approve. You know, these weren't the, the they w- weren't really giving a voice to the underserved customer. And so the question was, is if we can give a voice to the underserved customer, then then we can do something unique and different and make a you know make a difference in the marketplace. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. On the heels of closing a $250 million credit facility, LendingPoint's Tom Burnside joins us on the show today. The consumer lender has originated $1.4 billion in loans to individuals, targeting an underserved population of people with FICO scores in the range of 580 to 680. Tom talks about the growth potential in servicing this population. We also discuss the firm's point-of-sale loan product and how that's expanded their reach and broadened the definition of LendingPoint's target borrower. Tom Burnside is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. My name's Tom Burnside. I'm the CEO of LendingPoint. LendingPoint is an unsecured consumer lender. We we primarily focus and target as a company. We target uh, a customer or assist a customer that uh, is deserving of credit, but typically underserved. I mean, a couple you know a couple statistics that you probably know. But one is you know, eighty percent of all all consumers have never defaulted uh, on a loan, uh, but yet fifty percent of them would never be able to get a loan from a bank. And so we saw this. We saw a really huge opportunity uh, by really assisting those customers that, that were in that five eighty to six eighty space initially from a FICO perspective. Um, and you know that's uh, you know that's really been the mission. My background in this has really been taking te- uh, technology and data and bringing it together. Uh, to tell big stories. And so, you know, we started, uh, when I worked at First Data, we started building uh, databases of, of positive, uh, of positive uh, activity and negative activity. Um, what we were trying to decipher all the way back, and this is in the 80, you know, 85, 80, 86 timeframe, what we found was we had customers that were, uh, were, were uh, they had very similar activities. They, you know, and back in the day, we had actually started with check writers. You know, a check writer had a had a a lot of activity would considered be a bad check writer, but a check writer that uh, uh, had a lot of activity could be a good check writer at uh, yeah you know, because they both have the same they both have the same characteristics. And so you know what we what we did at that point was start building positive and negative databases, start to understand the customers, make sure that we weren't declining the wrong people, uh, making sure that we were giving the people that deserved. Uh, the approval, the approval, and that really has built over time. Uh, we've, you know, we started a company not long ago. Um, you know, a, a company called Can Capital that was mm-hmm. back in uh, uh, that was back in uh, the end of 2000, beginning of 2000. Um, and what we built there was uh, really looking to give money to small business owners um, that had no way of getting it from the bank. Um, and what we did is we used their receipts to kind of predict their ability to stay in business long enough uh, and give them credit against those receipts. And as a result of that, we had to use a lot of, you know, uh, data that was not uh, traditional data that, you know, a lot of these small businesses had really very thin credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we used start using non-traditional data, you know, even things as something as simple as a, a water bill, making sure that we understood that they were using the water, you know, that their, their business, if they are a restaurant, the business was really growing. Um, and you know their water consumption was down, and obviously the data they were giving us probably wasn't correct. So we really learned how to use alternative data 
Um, one other thing we've done in the past uh, for myself is, is uh, we, we automated uh, lines of credit at a casino. So if you go into a casino, that company now is called Global Cash Access. It was a company that went public, recently was taken private again. It's a company I started uh, uh, in, the, in the late 80s, uh, early 90s. And what that, that organization did is we had to take uh, the data information we had at that point and be able to make a decision based on their behavioral attributes uh, on how much line of credit we would give them. And what was taking the casino about 30 minutes to do took us about 12 seconds. Um, so data and technology has been really in our in our veins the and you know really taking data technology to understand credit and and risk that's that's really what yeah that's what we do. So I also like this theme of of, of identifying user behavior and trying to extrapolate um, you know un, uh, information from that. I'm curious you know so so it's 2013 um, you've built Can um, and now you're thinking about starting an, a new company. Um, what well, what was the thinking going i guess to into consumer away from away from a business borrower yeah so you know um maybe it's maybe a little bit back to my roots um i i retired in 2013 uh from from can capital um the company was looking to consolidate their their operations uh their 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 senior management team in new york and it was an opportunity for me to you know it was an opportunity of, i i uh, I had done a lot, had been there from the company from the very beginning. I was the president and COO uh, for all that time. And what I was able to do, um, you know, what I was able to do is just kind of step back uh, and look at other opportunities. About a year, about a year later, um, retirement, you know, a couple, Tom. I'm sorry? Not a long retirement, Tom. No, not a long retirement, <laughs> uh, which is good. Yeah, uh, my wife didn't want me at home anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, so you know what? So what happened was um, we we uh, had met some we met some awesome people obviously in our journey when I was at Can Capital. Um, you know, one of those was a was a uh, uh, investment a family office uh, in the in in we opened up uh, small business lending in the DR. Um, that business has done amazingly well. Sold to Banco Popular not long ago. And what they decided was, boy, Tom, if you're going to retire, maybe there's something else we can do. Um, and um, you know, so they they came to my came to my home. They they all flew in and decided to visit me at my house. Um, uh, we we spent some time thinking about what the big opportunities that were out there. And you know what what we came upon was, look, there's this underserved population of, of people. You know, you see. You know, you you see a lot of peer to at that point was a lot of peer to peer lending. This is now in 2014. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a lot of peer to peer lending. Um, what we saw in the peer to peer lending was the people that were getting approved as ones that a traditional bank would approve. You know, these weren't the, the they w- weren't really giving a voice to the underserved customer. And so the question was is if we can give a voice to the underserved customer, then then we can do something unique and different and make a you know make a difference in the marketplace. And so what we started with was looking at, you know, looking at that customer called up to 700 FICO. Um, it's 50% of the population. If you look at the population today, 609, uh, a 690 FICO is, uh, and under is about 50% of the population, 691 and above is the other 50%. Mm-hmm. And so there was an opportunity to go give a voice to 50% of the customers uh, in, in, the, in the US that re- weren't getting a voice prior. And 
so what we said was, okay, okay, that sounds really good. Now you need the right team. Um, and you know, the, the nice thing about it, your contact list becomes a little bit extensive and you get to pick from the people you think are absolutely the best at giving, uh, at, at telling a credit story, putting the data and technology together, uh, and being able to do it in, you know, in five or six seconds. Um, and so we set out to kind of create that team. Um, you know, one of those team members was a, was, uh, not only my, my previous partners in, in the, in the deal we did in the DR, but also we had had an opportunity to help American Express start their small business lending. I met a really bright voice there and Human Montaharian, uh, an amazingly bright voice in, uh, in credit. Um, and, you know, we brought him on initially as a board member, then he became, you know, full time with the business, um, you know, about a year and a half later. Um, so what I would tell you is, is that, you know, getting a voice of the, uh, uh, getting the voice uh, to the underserved population really started with a team that truly understands credit and data and technology. That makes a lot of sense. I get, and I guess to, to that point um, about founding a company in Atlanta, um, I guess it sounds like you have a lot of resources there. I know, you know, Atlanta is kind of a, a banking software hub. What's it like, you know, kind of building and growing a, a lending business in, in, in that city? You know, Atlanta has been Atlanta has been very friendly to us. Um, you know, I think there's a couple pieces. First of all, um, you know, the tech side of it and the analytics side of it is really important. Uh, we team up with some of the local colleges to make sure we're getting the analytic uh, uh, talent that we need. Um, on the other side, uh, you know, there's a lot of that talent here because you know what, roughly about 80% of all processing comes through uh, comes through Atlanta one way or the other when you talk about the mm -hmm. shared globals the first data and others mm -hmm. um, you know so it's a big it's a big hotbed for that and then we chose to be a little bit further on the outskirts uh, uh, of Atlanta because then all the servicing at, uh, aspects of the business you know our, our our sales teams and customer service and and uh, you know client management uh, we're able to pull them from a lot of the, the suburban area so we, you know, our pool goes anywhere from Buckhead all the way out to here in Atlanta to the Cartersville area. Um, and it's really been very friendly to us. And, you know, the right cost, uh, you know, the cost of living is still very affordable here. So even we're able to pull talent from other cities because a lot of times people are looking for quality of life change. Um, and, city, and, you know, Atlanta is a very friendly city. Definitely. Um, and I guess I have a question in terms of the target customer. You talked about sort of, you know, you defined exactly who that target is. Has that changed as you guys have grown? Um, and I guess as a, as a follow-on question of that, like how, how, how do you continue to, to market and, and find those people? Um, great questions. Um, two things I think is important for us. One of them is, is that the, where we, where we, started the business is really looking at the 580 or, or 550 to call, to, to call it 680 really is our, our sweet spot. Um, that really became, that really was where we, we could differentiate ourselves. This is really where we could make a difference in the marketplace. And as a result of that, um, you know, your cost of funds, all the things as you get started as a business is very high, right? You're, you know, you don't have much scale. Uh, you, you, your costs of your funds are, are, are high, your leverage ratios need to be very low. And so at that particular point in time, you know, that was a great place for us to start and to, and to really understand the market. About a year ago, 
um, a little more than a year ago now, we start seeing uh, a customer profile pop up. And what they were saying is, look, can you help us with, can you help us at the point of sale? You know, it started with fertility clinics, uh, you know, which was very interesting for us. And they were, they were looking for a ticket of $25,000 that, uh, that they were at a doctor's office. They were wanting to have a child. They weren't able to, to pay for it for cash. Um, and, and what we saw was a, we saw a real opportunity there to be able to expand into point of sale. And about a year, about a year ago, we actually bought a point of sale platform. Mm -hmm. uh, to help accelerate our, you know, our, our movement into point of sale. And as a result of that, because now it's the predictability of the, of the performance of the, the assets have been very good and very solid, our cost of funds have gone down. Our, our, our leverage ratios, we've been able to enhance our leverage ratios. And as a result of that, we're now able to go all the way up to 850 because we have the right cost of funds. We have the right distribution. So now we can take a customer from 580 all the way up to 850 at point of sale. And what we really found was unique there. You remember I was telling you earlier that 50% of the population that wasn't being served. I mean, these guys are the ones that need the money the most. Mm -hmm. So if you're at a fertility clinic and you have a 660 FICO, more than likely you're going to get declined by, by a bank or by, you know, by a traditional lender. In our case, we we're able to serve that customer and not only serve that customer, but serve the customer all the way up to 850. So this has been a little bit of a journey for us. Now where you see us in our acquisitions is you can find us online, you know, whether we solicit you or you go through one of the big aggregating channels, uh, or you can find us at a point of sale when you, you, you know, when you have a need for a specific product. Right. So point of sale is an indirect, I guess, you know, you do a deal with the clinic um, to offer lending point services, right? Otherwise, all the other types of acquisitions are, are direct to the end customer, right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, now, you know, you'll see us at a place like Invisaligns, uh, mm -hmm. you'll see us at fertility clinics, you know, home repair, um, you know, and then what's really interesting about it, you see a completely different population, you know, at the point of sale, at the point of sale, you frequently see a millennial. Yeah. They, they tend to like fixed payments, fixed terms. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and when you look at our direct to consumer, that really is a customer 45 years and older and they have, you know, completely different needs. They're trying to repair a house. You know, they want to go on vacation. They're trying to repair a car. They have medical bills. Um, so, you know, different uses of funds and, you know, and even different amounts. You know, the millennial transaction is like $3,500. Uh, you know, the, the transaction that we see with, you know, called the baby boomer uh, era and, and a little bit below is about 50, is between twelve dollars and $15,000. So very different populations we serve now. And do you service those different populations differently? Well, we need to, right? I mean, that's, that's the, that, that we, so, so you have a different group of people uh, in, in the business. We have a different group of people that service the, the, the direct to consume or that uh, point of sale customer, mm -hmm. because there's also a, a merchant involved with that transaction. And so, you know, um, uh, when you're, when you, when you talk to the merchant, the merchant's trying to solve, uh, an issue or, or they're trying to understand something on a customer standing in front of them. And so they need real time, somebody to talk to immediately on the direct to consumer, that transaction typically happens, you know, in five and a half seconds with a, fir a firm offer. Uh, if they have any questions, they can chat with us online. Uh, sometimes they can call the sales center here if they want to, but we absolutely service them differently with different groups. Um, and it, by the way, yeah, even down to collections, I mean, collections are different. 
know, they have different things they're trying to resolve. I mean, one of the things that's interesting in millennial, millennial tends not, you know, a lot of these are just hanging a shingle. Uh, they're in the gig life. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they, they don't have a permanent check. And so you have to understand how to underwrite them differently. You have to understand how to service them differently. And if they fall off, you know, for whatever reason, go bad for some period of time, you, you know, a lot of time is because they lost a contract and they're going to get another one. And so we, we have to know how to kind of deal with their situations differently uh, uh, than, we, than we would a, you know, a customer that's, you know, more stable, uh, paycheck. stable paycheck. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, and I guess, so you added in a couple of years ago, this point of sale loans, um, I guess, as you're looking out into the future, um, how, how are you growing lending point? Are you going to be adding in other types of, of loan formats? Are you just looking to take what you have today and just, you know, keep scaling it? Like what, what are your growth plans for the future? What is amazing, what's amazing to us, and we're really just walking through uh, this part of our modeling rights moment. Uh, we see close to, uh, we see close to 400, 450,000 apps a month. Um, on, on our online business, uh, our direct-to-consumer business. On point of sale, the point of sale business is growing very, very quick right at the moment. And, and so, you know, our current products, our current products and the, and the way that we approach those customers with the right uh, product set, you know, a lot of it, once you get your rank order of, a, uh, rank order of risk, your next one is really getting your, your, your products right to be the right to be the right fit with a customer at the right time, and so we've been really working on it. And we think we can double the business from where we're at today by just making sure we get the right product in front of the right customer at the right time. Then the point of sale we think has you know point of sale can be as large, could be another hundred million dollars a, a month, could be just in point of sale you know in the next two years. And so you know we've been doubling the business year over year. Um, you know we have grown we have grown. Uh, very, very fast. Uh, you know, you might know that we, we made the ink, uh, we made 17 of the ink 5,000. Um, and we, we have grown the company over the last, thank you. Thank you. And we, and we grew the business over 9,200% in three years. Um, you know, this, this is, you know, there's a lot of room here. You know, it, when you look at uh, nearest competition, you know, somebody like a one main that still does it in a very manual process, but, 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 is targeting this customer between, you know, five, 580 to, to 700, you know, they're, they've got a $17 billion balance sheet. So there's a lot of room for us to grow. I, I, we're, we're, we're early in our journey and we have a lot of, we have a lot of opportunity in front of us. Tom, thanks for sharing with us the, uh, the lending point story. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on the Tier Sheet podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate that offer.